0: wonder if we could turn in our Bibles, please, to the Psalm 90, Psalm 90 in our Bibles, just the start of uh, Book 4 of the Psalms, but we're going to read through the Psalm tonight, it's just um, 17 verses, the Psalm 90, and beginning our reading at the first verse. Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hadst formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Thou turnest man to destruction, and sayest, Return, ye children of men, for a thousand years in thine sight are but as yesterday when it's past, and as a watch in the night. Thou carriest them away as with a flood. They are as asleep. In the morning they are like grass which groweth up. In the morning it flourisheth and groweth up. In the evening it is cut down and withereth. For we are consumed by thine anger, and by thy wrath are we troubled. Thou hast set our iniquities before thee, our secret sins, in the light of thy countenance. For all our days are passed away in thy wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told. The days of our years are threescore years and ten. And if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, yet is their strength, labor, and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. Who knoweth the power of thine anger? Even according to thy fear, so is thy wrath. So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Return, eternal Lord, how long? And let it repent thee concerning thy servants. O satisfy us early with thy mercy, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad according to the days wherein thou hast afflicted us, and the years wherein we have seen evil. Let thy work appear unto thy servants, and thy glory unto their children. And let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us, and establish thou the work of our hands upon us; yea, the work of our hands, establish thou it. Amen. We know the Lord will add His blessing to the reading of His precious Word. Verse eight is my text tonight. For thou hast set our iniquities before thee, our secret sins in the light of thy countenance. Let's just unite again at the throne of grace as we seek the Lord in prayer. Our loving God and our gracious Father in heaven, we come to thee afresh and we thank thee for the word of God. We think of the many well-known texts in that verse of Scripture or a passage of Scripture. And, O oh God, we uh, pray that we might be taught to number our days, that we might apply our hearts to wisdom. Lord, that thou wast. Uh, cause thy beauty to shine upon us and upon the work of her hands, that thou was to establish it. And, O oh God, we pray that even today that we might know the uh, speaking voice of God. As thou didst speak to Moses long ago, and as thou didst speak to the psalmist here, we thank thee that we have a word from God. And we pray that it might be A word in season to every heart this evening. Draw near to us and bless us abundantly. For it's in Jesus' precious name that we'd ask these things. Amen. Amen. The psalm here is the the oldest of the psalms. It's a psalm by Moses. And we think of how Moses makes an honest confession here in the portion of Scripture. He says, Thou hast set our secret sins in the light of thy countenance. And those are words that are familiar to us. Uh, It's a a page really torn from Moses' diary. You can almost uh, feel the tears that stain the paper as he tears that page from the, uh, the diary, and he recognizes his own sin and his own folly. And maybe again, as he stood on Mount Nebo, before he was forbidden to enter into the land of promise because of a sin, maybe again Moses reiterated the words, thou hast set our iniquities before thee, our secret sins in the light of thy countenance. But what I want to do today is just to think about our secret sins, the sins that nobody else knows about, the things that perhaps we are able to keep under wraps, and the things that are kept away from the knowledge of everybody else. One of the greatest lies that the devil tells us is that there are some sins perhaps that God doesn't care about or that God doesn't know about and we're able to get away with all of those things. I think of the little girl who once waits for the click of the light in her uh, parents' bedroom. Maybe she waits for 10 minutes and then goes down to the cabinet and opens the cabinet and takes a swig from the alcoholic drink that is in the cabinet. And she has been doing this for a few months, and she wants to take more, but she feels as if if she takes more that her parents will begin to notice that the supply, the bottle, is going down. She wants to have more and she wonders why it is, why can't I just quit? Or perhaps you think of the teenagers who quietly sneak away from the youth meeting and want to experiment with drugs or with cigarettes and nobody knows and they feel as if it doesn't matter. Or you think of the man who claims a little extra on his uh, business expenses Or the woman who is sitting on the internet gambling sites and is spending more and more money and she thinks that under the cloak of secrecy that nobody will know and she feels as if what she is doing will do no harm if nobody else knows about it. But we know from the papers as well as from the word of God that when sins like that are exposed that it begins to cause an awful rumpus it begins to cause uh, a dreadful thing in the whole world. And we think of how conviction of sin enters in. And the Bible says, be sure your sin will find you out. The Bible says, whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And we think of sin here in the light of God's countenance. As we put up sin in the light of, of the glory of our saviour. The one who died on the cross. The one who was made sin for us. Whom knew no sin. And yet we think that is our sins. Our secret sins are as nothing. And yet they are blackness. They are vile in the sight of a holy and a righteous God. And we think of those small things that we think that we are doing. Those small things that we enter into those secret sins. Well, this psalm is something that speaks about secret sin. You'll notice in the psalm here, really it is a psalm that uh, speaks of a revelation of God's goodness and God's absolute omnipotence in face of the frailty and weakness. In the psalm, you'll see that the words anger and wrath are used a number of times. And there's a contrast in the psalm between our wickedness and God's holiness. And we think of how our wickedness was dealt there with at the cross of our Savior, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. But I wonder tonight, are you harboring secret sins? Are there things in your life that you've never owned up to? Maybe there are things that you don't even recognize in yourself. They're not only secret to others, but there are sins that are secret to yourself. And maybe tonight I'm speaking to someone, maybe over the internet, maybe here tonight, and there are secret sins that there are in your life. Well, I want us just to think about secret sins for a few minutes in our meeting this evening. And first of all, I want us to think about the reality of secret sins. The psalmist says, thou hast set our secret sins in the light of thy countenance. And I want you to notice that he speaks here about the reality of these things. Harry Ironside, the commentator, said, the greatest mistake a soul can uh, be guilty of is an attempt to cover sin and transgression. He said, yet men invariably avoid speaking out frankly with a confession of their true state and actions. It seems to be a natural to fallen man ever since the day of our first parents when they sought to hide their nakedness by fig leaf aprons to endeavour to cover his shame, hoping to avoid the just consequences of his sin. And yet there are many people who think they can get away with sin by hiding it from the world, and they want to put up a front and make an appearance of righteousness and uprightness, and yet inside the heart. There is a raging torrent of sin. I wonder if that's you tonight. And I want you to think about the substance of secret sins. You'll see he says here, Thou hast set our secret sins in the light of uh, thy countenance. What are secret sins? Well, the word secret there, the Hebrew word, is a word that is used to speak of hidden things or concealed things or things that are forgotten. Things that are unknown. And he says these sins are sins that have been hidden away. They have been concealed away. And you think of how many people will try to put up a veneer and they will try to put up a hypocritical front in the face of others and there is secret sins. But it is still sin. And that's the thing that I want you to see. While others may not see it, And while others may not know it, and while you may be sitting in this meeting and you're putting up a front as far as others are concerned, it is still sin. The old Puritan said that the first word in sin is S, and you can hear the hiss of the serpent. And here we have something that is fundamentally sin. It may be secret. It may be that other people don't know it, but it is still sin in the sight of the holy God. The Bible has different words for sin in the Greek and the Hebrew. And you'll find if you look in the concordance that in the Bible there are over a thousand references to sin. And the great theme of the Bible is the covenant and the uh, kingdom of God. But underneath that, there is this line of sin that runs through from the Garden of Eden right to the end of the age when our Savior comes again. And there are all types of sins and classifications of sin. There are sins of uh, thought and word and deed. There are sins that are uh, hidden and sins that are revealed. And we think of all of the things that the Bible has to say about sin and iniquity and transgression. But the, thing, the fundamental thing is that they are sin. They come short of the glory of God. You think of what the Bible says, that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Daniel Defoe, the writer of Robinson Crusoe, once said the Bible says that it is a terrible thing to fall into the hands of of the living God. But I say, he said, it is a more terrible thing to fall out of the hands of the living God. I wonder if you're in God's hands tonight. Or are your sins separating between you and your God? You think of these secret sins. Somebody said that they're the most dangerous. They're like the leaven in the bread. There they are, it's just a little thing. And yet, there it is and it grows and it begins to infect the whole until the whole of the loaf is uh, risen, and we think of these secret sins, these hidden sins that are hidden from others. But also in the text here, there is a reference to the sins of ignorance. Because, as I said before, there are sins that are hidden from others, but there may also be sins that are hidden from you. There may be things that you do, and you don't recognize them as sin. There may be things that you do, And as far as you're concerned, you're upright. And there are many people out there. And they think that they're living a life of uprightness. And they're going by the world's morality. And they're sinning against God. Sinning against his Sabbath. Sinning against his ways. And sinning against all that is in the law of God. And they're ignorant of it. But of course, ignorance is not a defense against the law. And it is not a defense as far as God is concerned as well. Dear friend, it may be that in your twisted understanding, you have come to the conclusion that what you do, and we like to justify ourselves, and we like to think that what we do is right and it is okay as far as the world is concerned. Dear friend, I want you to realize that even though The sin may be secret to you. It is still sin in the sight of a holy and righteous God. And if it is sin in the sight of God, then there's coming a day when you will stand before that God, and there's coming a day when you're going to give an account to God for that sin. So we see something of the sort of secret sin. But I want you to think about the strain of secret sin. Because the thing about secret sin is that you have to keep it a secret. You've got to keep it concealed. And we think of the many times when we, maybe you've had to go around and uh, you've had to go through all sorts of machinations and you've had to make sure that you didn't say the wrong thing and reveal the uh, thing that you've been involved in. And my, what a strain it is to try and keep the uh, sin submerged. You think of Achan in the Old Testament. And you remember how Achan was forbidden when God forbade the children of Israel when they went into uh, Jericho to take anything of the spoil. The spoil was to be given to God. And we read that Achan went in there and he saw a goodly Babylonish garment and he coveted that garment And even though the things were to be given to God, he took that garment and then he went and concealed it. He got a place in his tent where he thought that nobody could find it. He concealed it under his stuff. He thought he had it in a safe hiding place until God called him out. And you remember the scene as God called the tribes of Israel and He selected Achan's tribe and then he called the families of the tribe of Judah and he selected uh, Achan's family and eventually it came down and down until God put his finger on the culprit and they went in and they found the thing that had been concealed. But my, what a lot of trouble Achan had to go. My, he would have been uh, uh, skulking about he would have been uh, trying to conceal what he was doing. He was trying to make sure that nobody went near where he had concealed the goods. And my, what a strain it is. Not only was it a strain, but it brought misery to others. Because you remember when that sin uh, was committed, how that God caused the children of Israel to be defeated by Ai? And it says in the book of Joshua chapter 7, verses 5 to 6, about the children of Israel, wherefore the hearts of the people melted and became as water, and Joshua rent his clothes and fell to the earth upon his face before the ark of God until the evening tide. He and the elders of Israel and put dust upon their heads. I want to tell you, secret sin brings a strain. It brings a strain. You have to keep concealing it, maybe telling lies, furthering your sin in order to conceal what you've been doing. And then we think about the spiral of sin because there is a spiral because one sin leads to another as we've just said there. You have to cover it by lies. You think of David when he committed adultery with Bathsheba and that was bad enough. But then you remember how he wanted to conceal what he had done and he brought Uriah Bathsheba's husband home from the battlefield and he hoped that he would go to be with his wife but Uriah refused he said when my colleagues are out on the battlefield I will not uh, uh, be uh, taking part in the comforts of home and he didn't go down to where his wife was so that plan was thwarted and then you remember what David did he said to his commander put Uriah in the forefront of the battle in the place where he will be at the uh, at, his, at the most danger, and then, in the heat of the battle, withdraw from him. that was murder, that was murder. so not only had he committed adultery, and not only had he committed deceit and trying to cover over the sin, but now this sin had led to murder, and the old saying is that sin will take you further than you want to go, and it'll cost you far more. Then you want to pay, and there will be lies and there will be deceptions and there will be covering up, and maybe tonight, you can see that in your own life. Oh, how the secret sins have to be covered over. And then you think about the shame of secret sins. Why do you want to keep them secret? Why is it that you're not willing to bring them into the open? Because you're ashamed of them. Because you know your conscience is speaking to you. And your conscience is telling you that these are not things that you want to reveal to other people. These are not things that other people should know about. And the conscience will gnaw away at your heart. And your soul will be sickened and bent over. And it's like feeding on the swine trough. And every taste leaves a regretful hangover and a a, a lingering taste in your mouth, there is shame. There is conscience. And sometimes, in order to cover over human beings, cannot endure shame. It's a thing we cannot endure. And so often we hit out in anger, or we come to depression. Rage is common when people begin to get exposed for secret sins. And maybe tonight, you're angry with me. Speaking about secret sins, you remember David when he had his secret sins exposed with Bathsheba in Psalm 51? You remember what he said to the Lord? He said, hide thy face from my sins and blot out all mine iniquities. Now there was a certain sense in which David was saying, hide, uh, Lord forgive my sins. But he says, hide, hide your face from my sins. Don't be looking at my sins. My, when God begins to reveal, when conscience begins to speak, when shame begins to assert itself. Oh, what an awful weave, is what a web is weaved when we get into the spiral of secret sins. Oh, dear friend, I wonder tonight if I'm speaking to someone and there's a reality of secret sins in your life. But not only do I want you to think about the reality of secret sins, but I want you to think about the revelation of secret sins. Notice again what the text of Scripture says there in verse 8. He says, Thou hast set our iniquities before thee, our secret sins in the light of thy countenance. And you notice the spectacle of Revelation. He says that God has set our secret sins before him. They're, uh, they're not a secret to God. God has them set there right in front of them. These things, they may be hidden from others. Other people may not know, but God knows You think that nobody else has detected these things. But dear friend, in your wickedness, you've forgotten that God sees all things, that God knows all things. Oftentimes we sin and nobody finds out, and even sometimes we forget about our sins because we have successfully covered them over, and they're such a long time ago, and we've never spoken about them. And when that takes place, we forget about them. But God doesn't forget. God doesn't forget. All our sins are written in his book. They're all recorded. They're in the light of his countenance. And there is the spectacle of the revelation. But not only do I want you to see the spectacle of the revelation... But notice the spotlight that gives the revelation. What is the light that reveals our secret sins? Well, it says here it is the light of his countenance. The Hebrew word there that is used for countenance implies immediate face-to-face presence. Now, often in the Bible, when we speak about the uh, face of God or being in the face of God or the light of the face of God... It, it speaks of a blessing. You think of the ironic blessing. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Now if God's countenance is upon us, that is a blessing. But I want you to see that it's not upon us here. It's upon our sin. It's not upon us. This is not a blessing. This is something that we need to be worried about. And the word set there where it says that our sins are set before him, that word there is uh, speaks there of me. A, a red, they are set. They are a red, as it were. Our sins are spread out before God. He sees every one of them. They are a red and set out before him. And there is the blazing countenance of God set upon our sin. You say, but preacher, you often say that uh, sin cannot come into the presence of God and that's true. But when you you need to remember that God is everywhere and sees everything, and when the Bible says that sin cannot come into the presence of God, it means that sin is rejected. God sees everything, knows everything, and so there's no real contradiction here. By the fact that uh, the countenance of God is upon our sins. But it speaks here of these sins. Arrayed out before him. Set out. All spread out. So that God sees every one of them. Our iniquities. Our transgressions. Our secret sins. Are in the light of the one of whom it is said. That he is the brightness of the Father's glory. And express image of his person but the verse is very specific here. It speaks about the light of his countenance. It's not just his countenance, but it is the light of his countenance. And the word for light there is a word that means a blazing light. It means there a burning light. Here's God the Father, and there is the blazing light. You think of how the Bible describes God and it says whose eyes are as a flame of fire and in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. The light of his countenance. It says in Psalm 11 and verse 7, for the righteous Lord loveth righteousness. His countenance doth behold the upright. Or Psalm 42 and 5, he says, "Thou hope thou in God for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Or Paul sums it up when he says, the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The light of the face, the burning, blazing, holy light. And that light there speaks of his holiness. The whiteness, the blaze. You remember on the Mount of Transfiguration, when our Savior was uh, transformed and transfigured, and there was something of his inherent glory seen. They saw him, and he was a blazing light. And here is sin in the light, the blazing light of his holiness, in the blazing light of his, uh, his purity. And my, when we stand in the face of our Savior, we think of sin and rebellion, and it's not just black, it's devilish. It's ingratitude. It's cowardly rebellion against him. And by the, in the face of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, there is the x-ray of God's holiness and God's love. It penetrates beyond everything that we used to conceal. It goes beyond the spectrum of the Old Testament, beyond the red rays, of the 51st psalm beyond the purple rays of the 90th psalm beyond the violet rays of Isaiah chapter 6 when God looks or when God looks upon us we come like Isaiah and we said I'm undone I'm a man of unclean lips the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword think of Mary Magdalene At the feast. And the Lord looked at her. And she realized her sin. You think of Peter. After the resurrection. When he denied the Lord. And we are told. That the Lord looked at Peter. And Peter. Realized his sin. You think of Saul of Tarsus. Going round down the road. To Damascus. When suddenly there is the light of God. The light of his countenance. And so the arrogant Jew is laid in the dust. dust, And he uh, cries out, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? The Lord said to Simon at the feast, Simon, I have a word to say unto thee. The secret sins in the light of his countenance. When Cowper or Cooper uh, when he wrote the hymn, he was in the light of the countenance of God. There's a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunged beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stains. Their dying thief rejoiced to see that fountain in his day. And there may I, though foul as he, wash all my sins away. When his Wesley saw Christ gazing into his heart, his heart melted and he wrote, Plenteous Grace. In thee is found grace to cover all my sin. When Top Lady, a clergyman, a poet, a goodly man, met the Lord Jesus Christ face to face, he wrote the hymn, Rock of Ages, Cleft for Me. Let me hide myself. In thee. He said, Nothing in my hand I bring. Simply to thy cross I cling. But not only is there the spectacle of revelation and the spotlight that gives the revelation, but there's the stupidity of ignoring the revelation. You see how silly, how foolish it is to think that you can cover your sins. You think of what. The prophet Isaiah said in Isaiah 29 15, 15, Woe unto them that seek deep to hide their counsel from the Lord and their works are in the dark and they say, Who seeth us? Who knoweth us? The Lord says, Woe unto them. Woe unto them. Why? Because they'll never achieve what they're trying to do. The Bible makes it clear all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Will oh, you think of the recent, well, it's not so recent now, but the exposure of Prince Andrew. Or you think of the scandals in the Roman Catholic Church and the, the recent death of the former Pope Benedict and how when he died, there was a renewal of the stories that the reason why he had to resign from the papacy was because he was associated with all of these scandals and trying to cover them over. Oh, what an awful thing it is when your sins are exposed. And one day we'll stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And the Lord who knows all about your sin will expose them for all to see. Dear friend, what a silly thing it is to try and cover over your sin! But one more thing before we close tonight, and that's the remedy for secret sins. You see, we have been thinking about the fact that your secret sins, even though you might have successfully concealed them from everybody else, are naked and open unto the God with whom we have to do. And therefore God sees them, and you know that there's a punishment of sin, or the wages of sin is death. And you know that your sin is exposed, that God knows, and all the rest of it. So, is there any hope? Is there any hope? Well, I'm glad that there is hope. And it is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. We read in Second Corinthians 5 and 21, For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And we think of how our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, bore our punishment on the tree. And dear friend, your sins are exposed, and God knows them every one. But there is a way of salvation tonight, and it is found at the cross. It is found in the person of our Savior who was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. But I want you to remember that it is an exclusive remedy. He's the only one who can forgive your sins. He's the only one who can deal with the secret sins. And those things that you want to carefully keep uh, concealed. Without Christ we are lost. We, the Lord Jesus said, I said therefore unto you that ye shall die in your sins. For if ye believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. And men and women... I want you to see clearly, without Christ, you're lost. There's no way that you can get out of the place that you're in, not through religious observances, not through works. It's only through the Lord Jesus Christ that you can be saved. It's an exclusive remedy. But also, it's a challenging remedy. The the gospel is a message of grace. You're saved through grace. It is the gift of God. But, But We are told to come and drink. Wine, The wine of God's salvation uh, without money and without price in the Bible. But I want you to think about what it says in Proverbs chapter 28 and verse 13. The Bible says, He that covereth his sins shall not prosper. But then it goes on and it says this, But whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. And the remedy of secret sins is to confess them and to forsake them. Now there, really, you have the two parts of conversion. You are to confess them. You're to come and to bring your need to the Lord Jesus Christ. And really, there is faith in God. You're to confess... Where are you confess them? You're to confess them to God, not to the preacher, not to a prelate or a priest or anybody else. You're to confess them to God. Bring your sins and your iniquities to God by faith. But then there's the other side of conversion. You're to forsake them. That's repentance. Repentance towards God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And dear friend, you're in rebellion against God. You are in in, enmity against God. But what you need to do is to confess your sins and to forsake them you're to come with confession to God and then there's to be that turn round there is to be that change of direction in your life that is repentance and that's the two sides of conversion repentance towards God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ but the wonderful message is there is a remedy for sins there's a remedy for secret sins and though dear friend You have harbored those secret sins and dreaded lest anyone should find them out. There is a remedy for all of those sins. Bring them to the mercy Saint, and leave them there. Come to the feet of the Savior. Come to the one who is able to save your soul. And the Bible says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us. From all unrighteousness. Am I speaking to someone tonight and you've been harboring secret sins, trying to cover over with all of your ability something you've done, something you've been involved in? I'm glad tonight that there's a remedy at the cross, there's a remedy in our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And what I want you to do tonight is bow before him and cry unto him for his mercy and for his forgiveness. Will you do that? We're your servants for the Lord's sake tonight. Don't go away without putting your trust in the one who's able to save. Let's just bow, please, in a word of prayer. Our loving God and our gracious Father in heaven, we thank thee for thy precious word afresh tonight, we are warned here and reminded about the consequences of secret sins. Lord, it's the consequence for any sin. It is death. But Lord, we recognize that there's a remedy and it's found at the cross, at the cross, at the cross where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away. Give grace to men and women tonight, trust in thee, and find thee as their Savior and as their Lord, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen. Can we uh, turn to the last hymn there on the board, 227? And could I say to you when you're turning to that, if God has been speaking to you, then uh, do wait behind, or if you're watching on over the Internet, then do get in contact with us on the Facebook page or um, I think there's facilities in Sermon Audio too to get in contact with us. But do get in contact with us and we'd love to help you in any way that we can. 227, is there a heart that is waiting, longing for pardon today? Hear the glad message proclaiming Jesus is passing this way. And we'll stand as we sing this closing hymn. Gracious Father in heaven, we thank thee for our Saviour tonight, and we thank thee that He passes by even in His precious word. Bless us now, we'd ask of thee. Take us to our homes and safety watch over us. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship and communion of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with thy people, both now and in the incoming days, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen.